distributed work is going to help the world to become more resilient uh, today in face of yet another virtually man-made uh, economical crisis uh, that will impact the lives of millions on, on this planet. Welcome to the Vitalize Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, the Director of Marketing at Vitalize Venture Capital. On today's episode, we have Tony Jamis, the founder and CEO of Oyster, a company that allows you to hire anywhere and thrive everywhere. They're your trusted partner for expanding your team across borders, hire, pay, and care for teammates around the world with Oyster. They also recently raised a $150 million Series C, valuing them at more than a billion dollars all in less than two years. They've now raised almost a quarter of a billion dollars so far, and they are growing quickly. Lots to dive into in this episode. Let's get to it. Tony, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me again, Justin. Yes, glad to have you back. And for those who aren't familiar, had Tony on the Just Go Grind podcast over a year ago now. Oyster has grown a lot since then. A lot has happened, which is why we're chatting and there's a lot going on in the world. Uh, so many things to chat about in this episode. But for those who didn't listen to the other podcasts, aren't as familiar with Oyster, let's just start there. What is Oyster, Tony? Oyster is a global employment platform. Uh, we enable companies to hire people anywhere in any country without the need to set up entity. So we offer them the ability to extend a fair and a safe employment contract to them enable them to process the payroll compliantly and accurately and extend to them benefits that are locally relevant. With this company, so I mentioned the growth. 2020 is when you started in January. It's funny, you have a nice like timeline in your announcement of your latest uh, funding of $150 million. The growth is insane. It's only been two years. It's a billion dollar plus company. Obviously, this has a lot to do with the world we're living in more broadly, we, why this has caught on so far, uh, so fast. But just take me through even since we chatted in the last year, you know what's really fueled that growth of Oyster to this point where you're able to raise another round of funding? I think you raised 220 plus million in the last two years. Like, What's really fueled that growth for Oyster? There are a number of trends that are really uh, shaping the demand for global employment. Uh, first, you start with uh, talent shortage, uh, especially in the West for knowledge workers. Uh, uh, the, the world is, is really... Uh, transforming. There is a digital transformation trend that requires a lot of uh, technical people and knowledge workers to come and, and participate in, in, the, in the knowledge era of the economy. Uh, there is also uh, the move to remote work that uh, was happening even before the pandemic and, and through the pandemic it got really, it became universal uh, and employees loved it. I mean, employees really, they're really looking for that flexibility and, uh, and freedom. Uh, to work from anywhere and, and work on their terms uh, and be more productive as a result. Um, and, uh, and lastly, so we have the, the maturity of communication and collaboration technologies today. Like when, when we moved from the industrial era into the office era, we had to stay in the same place to be able yeah. to be effective. And in the last few years, we've seen an explosion of technologies that enable us to be productive no matter where, where we are. With that too, so with that growth, and even that's, so the growth of the, obviously with where the world is, that is a huge opportunity. You're well positioned uh, in that as well. And even your own team, I was just curious about that too, because I saw you're like 500 employees now, 60 plus countries. I think you're like 60% uh, women on the team. Just take me yes. through even growing your own team 
at Oyster? How has that been since you have this kind of rocket ship of sorts uh, in the last two years? Yeah, exactly. So in two years, we've achieved uh, uh, over 500 employees uh, distributed in 60 countries, 60% women. And, and also we, so we, we are creating this uh, massively diverse organization that resembles the planet Earth. That's, that's our, our goal. Uh, we believe that that's a superpower uh, for, for Oyster and for any organization. And, and how we were able to achieve that, essentially by uh, developing a way of working together that, is, uh, that works for people, so it's flexible, uh, and give them the freedom of where they want to live and make them successful no matter what they are. Um, and, and, and we promoted that through our, our brand. And, and suddenly we, we started receiving tons of job applications. We, had, we received today 13,000 uh, job applications per month for a company that is two years old. Uh, and uh, so essentially what we're making, we're changing how work works and we're making it works for humans. With that, I want to, I have to double click on that. So, okay. Diving a little bit deeper into that. What does that look like logistically? So people in different time zones, you're a lot, I imagine a lot's async. Just take me through how you've thought about that. Cause I know that I talked to a lot of founders who are thinking through the same things like, okay, if I do remote and I have all these different things, how do I actually operate? And your company with as many employees as you have and uh, having done this for a, the whole time, basically, um, take me through more of that. Like how you kind of manage that and run that within Oyster. Yeah, so every company will, will, will find its own version of async between the ratio between sync and async, right? So, so it's really, you have to experiment and, and, and land on where, where is the right ratio for you. Uh, for Oyster, we call it, we branded it, we call it follow the sun uh, because we're in various time zones and we, uh, we, have, uh, we are very prescriptive about the tools and the rules. So we use a Slack for this, we use Asana for that, we use a Loom for this. And then we train people on this. We have the Oyster Academy that is uh, our own internal uh, training on taking any person and making them a better remote worker. Uh, and, and we open source that. Any company in the world and any remote worker can come and benefit from the Oyster Academy. It is Oyster, you can find it at oysterhr.com slash academy. And, um, and we've also designed our value system in the organization to support remote work. Uh, so our values is around building trust, uh, thriving together, and elevating talent. So building trust is important because in a remote setting, uh, you you don't have this uh, physical signaling, emotional signaling that can build trust, right? So you're missing that. Uh, so you need to intentionally build trust. Um, and and elevating talent is because our goal is to is to take any talent in the world, especially from emerging economies, and and uh, give them the opportunity to become a better remote worker and suddenly uh, they have the world as their oyster when they're looking for a job. Um, and, uh, and lastly, I would say last but not least, we have commitment from the top. Uh, essentially each leader in the team need to be the best remote worker in the team. So essentially I'm the CEO of the company. I have the pressure, it's a bit scary sometimes <laughs> because there are some people in the company that are expert in remote work and more than me now. And so, uh, so essentially, I need to be the best remote worker in the company. Okay, there's two things there that we have to go back to. One, the thing you just mentioned. So, being the best remote worker in the company, explain what that what that means. People are gonna think about, okay, yeah, I hear that, Tony. That makes sense conceptually, but what do you mean by that? So, first is really uh, follow, model the way in in using our way of working together. So, using the tools correctly, uh, always being prepared. Uh, 
uh, read the material asynchronously in advance and comment and then be engaged in, in these conversations. Um, that's from how we work together. In building trust, is essentially every transaction I have with my colleagues at Oyster is about building trust, right? And everyone has a different approach to build trust and you have to be specific to the situation. Uh, so so, um, so for me, there's a number of areas I can use to build trust uh, with the team. And, and, uh, and lastly is, is making sure that I, I, um, I take care of my, my work-life balance, right? So I create this, this uh, protection layer between work and, and my life. So I don't respond over the weekend. I, uh, I follow focus. We have, we have a, on Fridays, we have call it focus Friday where we don't have an internal meeting. So I don't put an internal meeting. Then I focus on getting stuff done uh, during the day. And, um, and uh, I really manage my working hours. So I don't work in the morning. Uh, I, I work in the afternoon and the evening because I'm based in GMT plus two time zone. I'm based in the beautiful island of Cyprus while my team is mostly in the US and in Europe. So uh, that enables me to do what I want to do in my life, spend time with my children, uh, take care of my family business or, or, or spend time with my wife, for instance. So, so, uh, so and, and, and talk about it, right? So essentially I, I, uh, I use my experience as a way to inspire others in the company to follow suit. So I don't expect you as my colleague to respond to me over the weekend. I don't expect you to, to work outside of your, your, your working hours. And I respect that. One thing too. So I saw that post. You had, you had mentioned that somewhere around the afternoon starting working then until like 10 or 11 PM because of time zones and everything, which I think, yeah, everyone has to kind of find their cadence within whatever works for them and based on where their, their team is as well. And going back to one of the things you mentioned around the Oyster Academy, which I love the idea of that, especially having open source. How did that initially come about? And I wanted to deeper into some of the details, but how did that initially come about with the Oyster Academy? It's a good question, Justin, because really when we started the company and, and, and when the pandemic was, was arriving to, to this planet, uh, uh, we acquired a company called Delocate that was a consulting company that helps other companies become better at being at remote, essentially build your remote work operations. And we've hired this team, this brilliant team led by an individual called Reese Black that became our head of remote early on. He was employee number 10, maybe maybe less than that in the company. Um, and so we wanted to be very intentional about designing a new way of working that not only is better for business, but is also better for people. So that's how it came about. Then diving deeper into it, like this Oyster like Academy is kind of playbook of sorts. What are some aspects of that? Maybe like, what does that look like for people who are, who are curious? Yeah. So, uh, so as I, as I said earlier, so it's really the tools and the rules we described. This is a tool. This is how you use it. Uh, we, we dive into the different type of meetings we have. This is how you do a decision meeting. Uh, this is how you do a meeting. You have to be, you have to create the asynchronous work before the meeting. Um, uh, there's also elements of how do you take care of yourself as a remote worker? What are the things you need to watch out for? What is your responsibility? in terms of making sure uh, you, uh, you you manage that work-life balance and, and what are your expectations and what, what we don't expect from you is as important. With this too, so with you mentioned remote work and obviously that's been forced upon many people and a lot of people love that. Uh, there's It's interesting talking to, uh, even to our team at Vitalize of uh, some of the people on the team talking about, okay, well, what about people who are newer in their career and maybe had just graduated in 2020 or something and never had the in-person work experience a lot of the young people want that because they haven't had the relationships they've built through in-person and everything as well. 
What are you seeing from that on, on your team around that? People having this desire to some, somewhat meet people in person, like and how have you kind of managed that too, Tony? Yeah, so this is similar to the transition we've had from the, 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 um, the plant and the industrial area to the office, you know, where there was always a first generation of, uh, of executive or, or, or professionals that is coming into the office for the first time. So here we're having a similar transition. It's really an issue of uh, the, you know, us that have used to work in the office, we are still attached to that, to that, to that way of working. Uh, but if you're, uh, you know, the human brain is very elastic and, and uh, uh, the new generation uh, is adapting at, at very fast rate, uh, this new way of working, and they appreciate massively this freedom and flexibility that it gives them. Now, some of the arguments that were mentioned uh, against that was, okay, well, how do they, how are they going to be coached? How are they going to be, um, how, do, how do they network? How do they create their network if they're not in the office, right? Uh, well, you know, these things can be solved. You know, we, we assign a body to you, uh, as you as you join the company, so you are coached. Uh, we, we create intentionally a social uh, uh, ability to connect socially with your team uh, in, the, in the company. Uh, but that being said, we have to acknowledge that uh, we, this older generation that used to only work in the office, our life was work. We didn't have any, any many more social opportunities because we used to, you know, spend an hour to commute. We need to, we, to, we need to spend you know, eight, nine hours in the office and we go back home. We're tired. We're going to go to sleep or we would you know, binge watch something on Netflix or something like that. Right. Uh, so uh, so we, we our life was work. And suddenly all 95 percent of our social uh, connections uh, were within the office. Uh, now we have an opportunity to rethink what work is. And and, uh, and and diversify our portfolio of social experiences or social opportunities uh, between your family, your community, uh, your friends. Uh, and uh, just to give you an example, uh, I, I, uh, I have a house in, in the countryside in France. It's a small village. They're, they're, I have three neighbors. They are all, all older, 80, 80 plus. And, uh, and one of them, he's a, he, can't move, he can't walk very well. He, his name is Bernard. And in the middle of the winter, his chimney broke. And he called me at 2 p.m. in the afternoon asking me, hey, Tony, can you give me a ride to the store? To, I want to buy this, this piece of equipment to fix my chimney. Well, uh, I, I, was, I was working from home and I, had a, I didn't have a meeting at 2 p.m. So I took the car and brought him to, to the store and we, we fixed his, his chimney. If I was in the office, I wouldn't have the opportunity even to help Bernard. So essentially, uh, this gave me an opportunity to be much more connected uh, to him and much more connected to my community. So this is why uh, remote work has an opportunity to uh, to uh, to reconnect us uh, with our community and our place of living, essentially the, uh, the the land that we live on. Yeah, it is unique to to have this opportunity with remote work, and I think it's something that I've I always wanted. So I, you know, years ago, I think I had read like the Four Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, and was like, oh, this is interesting, kind of working from anywhere. People, it was this more foreign concept back then, and you know, even our arbitrage on costs of living in different places and everything like that, and it's evolved. And now this opportunity came, and I work fully remote. Our team works fully remote. With that though, I'm curious. It, I've talked to some founders who have decide to set up like hubs for their, some people have done hubs for their company where like a hub in LA, a hub in whatever, because there's some employees there, they want to get together in person, maybe they have a shared office. Some have done where they'll meet up every quarter or, or, or 
biannually. They'll meet up as a team. How have you thought about that? Have you had employees wanting that? And like, just curious about your perspective on that, because I know everyone has a different opinion. Just curious about yours is on that too. Yeah, so do we, we do foster uh, local team uh, meetups uh, at Oyster. So we look, I do believe that uh, uh, meeting in person is essential, right? Uh, but it's not essential to get stuff done. It's essential to reinforce the trust. And uh, for the first time, my executive team met uh, in, in person was in November last year. And I remember what, uh, what Emily, our SVP product, told me. She told me that um, we, before this uh, in-person meeting, I knew I could trust everybody. After this in-person meeting, now I can feel I can trust everybody. So it's a difference between knowing and feeling. But it's not essential for getting stuff done. And we proved it at Oyster. Uh, we, you know, we've had 20x growth last year. Uh, we, ha we, are, we have an engagement level in the company that is top 2% of all VC-backed companies. Uh, but I want to I go back to, to the question that you, you've asked around uh, having hubs in, in, in cities. The, 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 the uh, drawback of that is, A, you restrict your talent pool. You don't have the world as your oyster when you're looking for talent. That's number one. And, and number two, when you, when you concentrate in hubs, these hubs get more expensive. You know, if I think about uh, the, so let me, let me give you an example. So I have a friend who was here this weekend, here uh, visiting me in Cyprus. He's a CEO of a technology company. And he said, we, have, we wanted to go and find talent in, in less demanded locations. So we've opened a hub in Ireland two years ago. And, uh, and, and, and he looked at the data and said, the, the talent in Ireland, is more expensive than London now because every all the kind of tech talent went into 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 Ireland. So we are recreating this this hub model that increasing disparity in the world and it's not distributing opportunity. One thing I'm curious about too with with this as well. So okay, with the growth of it, you mentioned talking about the team and everything with that. I'm curious just on that more tangibly too. There's different solutions people are trying to create, different companies out there to work remotely or you know payroll whatever. But what has helped you on the growth side of things with Oyster? like more tangibly sales, uh, people coming inbound, you had referrals kick off, you had a huge sales team, you had the marketing side paid up. I mean, obviously it's a combination of things uh, just for other company builders out there. What's been helpful, like tangibly on the growth side to help you get to this point of even raising a series C and, and a billion dollar company. I'm curious. What helped Oyster the most on the GTM side is not only having hired great GTM team, but also we, we used brand as a way to uh, to create awareness uh, for our business. We invested early on in this future of work brand because first and foremost, we are a mission-driven company. We are on a mission to uh, to reduce inequality through distribution of opportunity. So we wanted to uh, prove to the world that distributed work is better for business, is better for people and for the planet. And that requires us to adopt a brand strategy as well as the traditional uh, uh, B2B sales and, and marketing strategies. With the brand side, what did, what did that mean for you early on? Because I know that companies have gone a lot of different ways with that. Some have gone hard on the, the press and PR side of things. There's other who are creating content internally. There's conferences and things like that as well. What did that look like for Oyster? Yeah, so we've created, we've used what we call a category creation playbook, uh, where we have uh, every quarter, uh, we would concentrate uh, one week or two per quarter where we, we, we would really focus massively our marketing efforts on a specific theme. Uh, let's say uh, global hiring would be one theme, distributed work would be another theme, uh, hiring for refugee would be another theme. So we would really, uh, instead of 
spreading our our marketing marketing activities uh, in a linear fashion, we created more uh, brand bombs to use to use maybe maybe not a great term, but a concentrated brand effort uh, that that helped us to pop, and each pop would be bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, that was really helpful. Another area, another part of actually the the category creation playbook was you want to have the executive of the company to be visible. So that's why I'm talking to you today. Uh, I've I've, I've uh, accepted and uh, I've taken the ownership of the future of work activism role that I have to do as well as running the company. Uh, and uh, and not only me, I have a number of executives in my team. You talk about Reese Black in the beginning, our head of remote, who's now uh, evolved to, uh, he's, managing our, he's managing workplace design. And he's also talked about, he's open sourcing essentially uh, what Oyster is doing for the world because not only it helps our brand, but it helps every other company out there. This is very similar to uh, John Deere, the tractor company. You know, John Deere, they didn't invent tractors, you know, 100 years ago. What they did is they helped farmers farm better. And we are on a mission to help companies uh, leverage distributed work and improve their business and help people around the world access jobs thanks to remote work. And, and, and that's why open sourcing our, our successes, but also our challenges has been, has been a very, very positive experience for us. Yeah, it seems like that's paid off for you. And as you mentioned, like kind of the Oyster Academy, having that being open as well. And I know as we kind of have a few minutes left here, I'm just curious with, with your position at Oyster and seeing kind of one, it's global. So you're all over the place. You have been in this for a couple of years already now. I think about it a lot, as you mentioned, the future of work. What other you know, trends or things are you seeing in future of work that you're interested in, you're, cu you're curious about, excited about? I'm just curious on what you're seeing from that because uh, selfishly, at Vitalize, we're focused on future of work. So I'm always trying to ping people on what they think the future looks like, what they're you know, excited about. So I'm just curious about anything you have there as well, Tony. Yeah, absolutely. So what I'm currently most excited about is how distributed work is going to help the world to become more resilient uh, today in face of yet another virtually man-made uh, economical crisis uh, that will impact the lives of millions on, on this planet. Uh, so let me just give you some historical uh, point of view here. So when we've had the last two major crises, so in 2000, where you had the tech bubble, and 2008, where we had a major economical collapse, uh, companies had to uh, reduce their hiring plans, had to maybe make some layoff. And we're really seeing that today in the technology sector. Uh, why? Because they, 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 they only could hire in, in very expensive cities where they had offices. Now they have an opportunity to diversify their hiring. And instead of hiring only in tier one cities, they can hire anywhere. And we've run the data. Uh, if you hire people in outside of this tier one city, you can reduce your headcount cost, anything between 30% to 70% while paying people more than local salaries, sometimes life-changing salaries. Uh, so you not only make your business socially impactful, but you have the opportunity to make your business more efficient, extend your runway, um, and uh, not to mention that you don't need to pay all these expensive uh, real estate uh, costs that you need in, in when you have offices. So now, again, uh, while the world is faced with this man-made virtual uh, crisis, uh, now the response can be different. It doesn't have to be layoffs and hiring freezes. It could be hiring globally. There is an opportunity certainly with this and, and any kind of 
global issue that comes about. There's an opportunity within that. We've seen companies spring up in times of you know the global recession before in 2008 and everything. We've seen companies spring up, and there's opportunities within that. Same thing with this kind of current environment we're in. We're going to see companies spring up as well, uh, whether it be right before, as always irritated, even during the pandemic as well. We've seen companies come up that are probably going to be global, kind of world-changing companies with the kind of new reality of what we live in. So it is a interesting, exciting time to kind of look around and see what will come from all of this. And where's the best place for people to learn more about Oyster and connect with you, Tony, if they'd like to as well? Yes. So they can learn about Oyster on our website, oysterhr.com, and they can find me on LinkedIn. Perfect. Thank you so much for the time today, Tony. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me again, Justin. Hey, thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about us, head on over to vitalize.vc. You can also follow us on Twitter at vitalizevc. Or you can follow me on Twitter at JustinGordon212. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.